Hey, hey, hey! It's Boblin the Goblin here. I just wanted to take a moment to let you know that in tonight's episode, the boys from Legend Lore spoil some moments from the new Suicide Squad movie. It starts at approximately 22 minutes and 41 seconds, and it ends at 24 minutes and 7 seconds. So if you haven't seen the movie, you might want to skip those parts. You have been warned! warned. warned. The party has finally defeated the goblin encampment that has threatened the local village. After much blood, battle, heroism, you now stand over the bodies of your fallen foes. Killick the Chaotic, Sir Bastion the Lightbringer, what do you guys want to do? Mm, yes, these old bodies will make excellent meat shields for my army. I shall raise them from the dead. What? We can't do that. Saloon would never allow it. Saloon isn't really part of me very much. I'm going to do it anyway. No, we must sanctify the bodies and bury them. Each individual one, all 100 of them. Then they're completely useless. I can't do anything with that. I'm going to raise them. No. Yes. No. Yes. I will smite thee. I will fireball thee. Well, well guys, you, your, your companions, you're like, are you, are you sure you want to do this? Yes. Hell yes. 100%. Let's do it. I guess let's roll initiative. Thus, another campaign is destroyed. <laughs> hey, everybody. This is DM Rockfist uh, coming at you with Legend Lore, a production of Strange New Worlds, or from Strange New World Productions. We're going to get this right one well, day. One of, the, one of these days, we'll and, figure this and out. And to my left. I am Dungeon Master Mike. I am Dungeon Emperor Popatine. <laughs> Sorry. Can't get over that. <laughs> you can't get over the emperor? You, I love it. You hey. literally, you almost made John spit wine out. Yeah. Uh, thanks to, thanks to now David. That, now that you should drink in podcasts, everybody. All thanks to David. He came up with it. Yeah. This is Cody, and I think I enjoyed that a little too much. Yeah, that, that was, was awesome. a lot of fun. Mm, that yeah, was fun. that was great. I mean, obviously, um, tonight's topic, we're going to be talking about, uh, you know, personality conflict within a campaign. Um, you know, Dungeons and Dragons, any tabletop game, depending on the group, it can be a more mechanical game or in, in my opinion, my humble opinion, uh, the game gets really fun when it becomes more of a narrative, right? And you become your characters and you really do find this really weird dynamic that can happen where uh, maybe two two players sit at the table and they've got characters whose personalities are like oil and water. Like they're just not going to mix. And yet as friends in real life, you're sitting at a table to play a game together. So um, have you guys experienced that in, in campaigns you played? <laughs> Almost every game. <laughs> yeah. Since we have been playing together, it happens uh, pretty frequently. Any, not all the time. Any, any like VIP, um, you know, mo sorry, I'm coughing a lot tonight. VIP moments that come to mind? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And for me, there's several VIP moments I can think of. But uh, the quest for boosts probably had the most because that was that game was all about law and chaos. Yeah, and just like these diametrically opposed forces going at each other in the cosmic universe, kind of a thing. And the party, we were such a blend of we we're all good, but we all just had like such 
varying degrees of how we distributed our goodness. Yeah, I, I'm going to I'm gonna I'm gonna pull a Keenan card here and say I actually disagree. I think I think the quest for boost was the campaign where people were the most united. I think that was the game where we were more quickly to get back on track yeah. with each other and more like more quickly to agree with each other or or kind of like relent our side in order to move along the campaign or like oh good job you convinced me and now we're i'm, I'm on your side of this yeah uh and i think most of our other games it's like i'm right and you're wrong no i'm right and you're wrong <laughs> <laughs> there was, well, we've definitely lately had some of those moments for sure why do you think that is what's what, what causes that uh, i think for us it's because we really heavily invest in our characters i think we really play our characters to the fullest and sometimes that means that that would happen in real life and so it happens in our in our play life, basically. 100%. So, Matt, what about you? Well, I mean, to Cody's point, you know, the quest for a boost was apparently, I mean, I didn't play. I played one session with you guys. And it was great. Uh, I wasn't there for a long time, and it seems like it, things were pretty pretty nice, as you guys said. But uh, I guess to say that there was there's one factor that wasn't in boost, and it's because it's me. <laughs> and I have secretly been sowing the conflict <laughs> with little hints. Right. You, no, you, not really. You are the agent of chaos. <laughs> It's funny that you mentioned though that the like you said it, Mike. That it comes out of really inhabiting your characters yeah. and people conflict. Like there's no group of people that have ever been together where there's not eventually some personality conflict, right? So I I think and you guys can give me a different opinion if you if your opinion differs from mine. But it seems like there are a lot of groups at D and D. There's this pressure to get along and all agree on everything that should happen. And that, that's not very realistic, right? So I think it's natural to embrace personality conflict. And maybe a little bit later in the conversation, we can talk about how to manage it when it gets out of mm -hmm. hand. But I think of Matt as probably our player that inhabits his characters the most out of all of us. And I find it... Uh, not uncommon that your character tend to be the one that uh, has a bit of the conflict with the party. Yeah, that is that happens quite. I mean, you know, it's only been a couple, eh, maybe one. It just happened in Dark Kingdom. <laughs> well, and it just happened in uh, in Lich War as well. So <laughs> what? Well, it did. Holy crap! I did. I didn't even think about that. And Realms of the Dragon. Ooh, that's yeah, it. that's yeah, it. You can't play anymore. Dang it! <laughs> so why why you always why you always hurting everybody's feelings, Matt? What's I mean, it's not it's not a thing of hurting feelings. It's more of just like. I know I, I write extensive backstories, so I know what my character believes in. And if a moment arises where, you know, it's like, this is where my character would, this is where they would die on this. They would die on this hill. Yeah. Hill. Yeah. They would die on this hill to do what they need to do. And when it gets that, you know, that to that head and everyone's like, no way we're, we're out of here. Like we did our session earlier. It was like, we found the book of the evil damnedness the book of vile darkness <laughs> that one uh and amity was like you know i gotta destroy this i have to destroy it and everybody else is kind of like we gotta we gotta go and it's just like no this is what i've been tasked to do i have to destroy evil so i gotta do it and i looked at keenan i was like keenan i love you but right now my character does not love your character right um and that's where it has to come from it i think that's why so many people get so nervous about it is that if I create conflict with their character, they're going to now not like me. So like the friendship at the table might be a danger, right? Yes. Interesting. I really like what you said about the, this is the hill that I'm going to die on. I think that's a really good character building tool at, when you're creating your character at the very beginning. of like, What is the one thing that my character will not stop to accomplish or to destroy or you know, whatever the goal is? 
I, I never thought about that before, but I just really like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I think I want to touch on what a point that Matt just made too, is worrying about, is that conflict between characters going to affect our relationship above table kind of thing with us? No, because we're all role players, but you may be in a group where you don't know people very well. Right. And so you, as, as a DM, you may need to monitor that kind of thing. If there is interplayer conflict for the characters, you have to look at the personalities at the table too and make sure that you are able to keep that under control <laughs> and that it doesn't become a permanent thing just because of, of people's personalities, not their player characters' personalities. So I feel like we're talking about when conflict maybe fits into the story and you kind of go, okay, these two had an argument and then maybe the characters are a little sour towards each other after, but the adventure marches on, right? What about when it gets tense like it did in that little role play we did at the beginning like what if what what about when it actually might come to players coming to blows um how do you as a dungeon master basically decide if you're going to step in and use your godlike powers to move the story along uh maybe even taking away player agency to do it versus maybe letting it go crazy and then maybe a character player kills another character you know I don't honestly think it should be wholly on the dungeon master to decide because there's, unless you're just playing two people in a dungeon master, I mean, that could be a situation. But if you're playing with the, you know, average group of four people, the other two characters should be able to step into that situation because they're there probably when these two are going at it. So they should also step in. And I think it is up to the DM to kind of decide how role play would go out. Like, do I want to let him fight? Do I want to let him, you know, actually go into this moment of, you know, uh, some, you know, sm not smite, but some like divine wall separates them. Um, or they get attacked by or surprise attacked by some other group. Too. Yeah, that too. Yep. But that, did, but then the, that doesn't resolve the conflict because then the conflict is still there. Just well, but like it, yeah. you could potentially remove the conflict, like a trap door opens up and you just fall through it. Right. And now the book of vile darkness is no longer reachable. Right. And True. so like you didn't, you didn't take away the conflict, but you removed the thing that they were fighting over. I just sat back and watched you guys uh, talk for like 35 minutes. Right. It was deciding if we're going to kill each other. It, it was awesome. I'd say as a DM, if it's getting to a situation where people are getting heated out of the game because of it, that's when you need to take you, a step. You, you need to step yeah, in no. and say, okay, you know, something, you know, you role play it out of what happens, but you take whatever, whatever the conflict is, you just take it right out. Yeah. Cause at the end of the day, we always say this at the end of the day, this is a game and it's about having fun. Mm -hmm. So as the DM, if you were ever in that situation and you feel like, okay, this has gone beyond the game, then it's definitely time. Even if you have to stop the game at that point and go, Hey, we have to have a talk. I would do that if I was in that kind of group. Absolutely. Uh, I'm not in that kind of group. Fortunately, that right. that's not something that happens with us when there's things that do happen that, uh, you know, it happened in dark kingdom when, um, Rowena was basically possessed by the sword Caliburn and she was becoming undead. And you guys basically did get in an actual physical conflict. And again, Charlie, uh, stepped in with some words to wisdom to calm things down and keep, and that's that we're talking about the other players at the table yeah. who aren't involved in the conflict. You have to be, you got to, you got to step in and be the peacemaker maybe, or, or, or find some way to resolve this, this conflict. I also, I don't think there's anything wrong with after a, a few uh, verbal blows have been exchanged, the players out of character saying, love you, bud. This is awesome. I'm yeah. loving this. Yeah. And then getting back into the argument. And I think doing something like that would really change the the players and their internal vibe of what that moment is like from you and I are arguing about something to you and I are having a lot of fun playing characters. I think that is a pro tip, man. I really think that is awesome. I've never thought about that, but you're, you're going above table. We go above table for things all the time, right? So why not avoid having tension in your real life friendship 
by going above table for 10 seconds and saying exactly what you said and then going back to the game and just a reminder yeah. to everybody like hey we're we're good in real life but our characters are the yeah. ones that yeah. are having a problem just, just, just that reminder literally that reminder like, like you know the above like oh hey man this is this is my character okay just let you know this isn't me yeah mm-hmm. yeah well it, you know it's funny because uh, and I'm, i was wanting to ask y'all's opinion of this so on lich war last week we had keenan's character cedric who is uh you know he's a warrior he's an arcane fighter but he's um very powerful he's um he's basically getting seduced by Kasa, the fire god and and he's all about fire and he's like as the campaign has progressed he's become a little bit more uh, what's a good adjective murderous uh (laughs) hungry aggressive hungry yeah he's an aggressive personality he's not like crazy or anything but he's definitely kind of aggressive right and his best friend who is mike's character shavin who's traveled everywhere from Ravenloft all the way to, you know, across the world in Faerun, across the plains even. They've been through a lot together, and their personalities are getting more and more of a chasm between them. And there was a bit of a argument that that broke out between those characters. And, you know, uh, Keenan playing Cedric was very aggressive in his approach to things and very much like, I'm going to do whatever I feel like I need to do, and if anybody gets in my way, it's going to be them that I have to go after. And I remember, you know, Chauvin being like, Cedric, what the hell? Like, what's going on? And for some reason in that moment, this is where I want to ask y'all's opinion, I felt very much like I should give him an inspiration, even though his actions were really creating a lot of tension in the game and a little bit at the table among friends. I did, for some reason, feel like what his character was doing made so much sense for his journey and where he is as as his closeness to Kossuth has gotten you know more and more intense, and every murder seems to bring him more and more into that side of things. And I thought he was actually role playing the aggressiveness of fire is what it felt like to me. So I gave him an inspiration, but was I rewarding bad behavior? Well, that's only for you to decide because when it comes to giving out inspiration, that is completely and totally up to the DM. So I mean. That and it could be depending on the the people at your table. Like if you're playing with people, maybe don't know each other so well, and maybe they're not. I don't know. Maybe they're maybe they're not uh, as role play centric as we are. Yeah, that could actually reward bad, bad behavior. They might do that more often. Just well, if I'm, if to I'm get, a jerk, the DM will give me inspiration. inspiration yeah. point. Uh, you know, I hope you're not. I hope anybody out there is listening is not playing with that kind of group. You know, I'm, I, right. What we look, we are blessed to have the group of people we play with because we're all good friends. We all kind of play the same. We all, you know, we as we said over and over again, we focus on story and character, story and character. Uh, we love the action. We love to roll dice. We love <laughs> yeah. we love bringing out big spells, but we are fortunate. You could also ask him, like, Keenan, what's going through Cedric's mind right now? Yeah. After this, exchange, yeah. this exchange. And then you'll find a hard time finding a player that doesn't want to narrate their character's thoughts. And right. if he does narrate something that is in line with what you were thinking for that was inspiration point worthy, yeah. then he'll say something that was pretty inspiration point worthy. Oh, that, that's another great tip. If he just says something along the lines of like, I'm just pissed off at the party for doing the thing wrong and yeah. not the way that I wanted. And I'm like, oh, well, all right. It's not really inspiration worthy at that point, right? So I, I think that's great, man. And I used to do that, I think, more than I have recently, yeah, which is very good at that. Which is like, hey, walk <laughs> me through what is your character thinking, you know, right now. And yeah. you get that that camera right on the things that maybe don't just come out on their own right which is really cool so on the flip side of what you what you did like with the rewarding keenan uh, for role-playing his character so during the whole conversation about the book of Isle darkness and what to do my favorite moment out of that whole thing as you were arguing back and forth about what to do uh Fubar, charlie's character is being kind of quiet Mm-hmm. which is normal in that situation for him. And cause he's, he's thinking about words of wisdom, which he did have. And then, and then Dave, 
just as surefoot Sam just he's like guys guys with his arms wide open we're still stuck in this castle <laughs> and made me laugh so freaking hard yeah i had to give him an inspiration oh yeah point. yeah <laughs> absolutely so dm in the star wars campaign have you have you felt like our party has been like you know more conflict free or like what what's it been like for you managing that our group of characters in that i mean it's definitely again because i'm not playing it's been very conflict no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, no i think it has been pretty conflict free i think there was only the one moment when melanie and uh, zed mm-hmm. had kind of a little bit of a tiff and zed flew off on his own and then that kind of resolved itself mm-hmm. um but other than that we haven't really had any like major conflicts or anything like that and i kind of enjoy it because i feel like the heroes i don't know i mean the heroes of star 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 trek i was about to say star trek <laughs> wow yeah i know i'm really tired today uh star wars they don't have as heated of a combat or conflicts they do have some but i would yeah, say you're right, yeah not it's not like though. really like oh i'm gonna i'm out like let's i'm dipping because yes yeah. um and that's so that's why i like i like that like i don't feel i feel like every i feel like everyone in the campaign especially now now that zed is now on mandalore is very heroic yeah, there's not really one. I mean, Zane is a little like he's heroic, but he's also kind of like a, you know he wants to be a pirate. Yeah, I want to be a pirate. <laughs> I'm going to be a pirate. Zane's going to be a pirate. I feel like everyone's very heroic. Um, I, I know I would agree with that statement. I think also it has to do a lot with personalities of characters, and it just kind of so happened with the with what everybody has created for the Star Wars campaign. Um, all their characters, all our character personalities, click very well together. Like Zane friendly nudges Melanie all the time. Kind of like she kind of is his moral compass a yeah, little bit. Yeah, but and and, and that, I think that Zed moment was about the only moment. And then it it, it did kind of carry over to another game because there was a couple times where I agreed with something Melanie had said, and he's just like, "Oh, you're just going to back your girl." I'm like, "No, no, no! I actually agreed with what she said." Yeah, this is back of a girl. This is my character being my character. Um, but I think it has a lot to do with those personalities because you you have the Jedi who is as a peacemaker, mm-hmm. truly. You've got Zane who's just a space Texan. He's laid back as all get out right he's he's just a laid-back dude he just wants to fly a ship he wants to do some heroic stuff he wants to be a pirate but you know at the end of the day he's willing to to, to do whatever needs to be done to either make those credits or to help out another part of his crew yeah because he looks as the crew as the family yeah like to him his crew is his family so i, I think his personalities so you would so you'd say maybe as a, a dungeon master when you're bringing the, your, your players to the table um you know maybe think about how the conflict could arise, right? So right. if you and, and if you go to we talked about alignment, right, on one of our previous episodes. And you know, when you have an evil character, you're pretty much are guaranteeing, right, there's gonna be conflict. Right. Like and that's I think why the the player's handbook or the dungeon master guide actually discourages having evil characters in the game because you, you know, it's just going to become conflict at some point. Right. right. And I, I'd like, to, I, I kind of want to go there and talk about that a little bit. And we can mm-hmm. talk about a little bit what happens. We, we were talking about managing that stuff a little bit. And yeah. we, we have covered that a little bit, but I'd like to talk a little bit because we all just watch. Well, I'm sorry. Cody wasn't there yet to work. I'm sorry. Sorry, Cody. I love you. Um, we just watched Suicide Squad. Right. And that's the epitome of all these bad guys together. Right. And there were some conflicts, but there was also some teamwork. Uh, so we're going to take a quick break here. And then we'll we'll come back and talk about that a little bit. So I I I got an, I got I got I got the weirdest message today. Message. It was a text. Okay. And it was all misspelled. It was all kinds of weird. And I, I finally figured out it was from Boblin. Oh yeah. And he was kind of angry that the last two times we did a show. Yeah. That Chud was the featured dude. So right, I, right. I said I said we'd give him a moment. 
Hey, hey, hey you! Yeah you! I'm Boblin the Goblin, and I know an adventurer when I see one. Come over here. I got something you'll be interested in. Have a seat at my table. I know where an intrepid band of heroes like you can find all the best adventures and loot you can handle. Have you heard of the Lair of Strange New Worlds Productions? It's on a magical plane of existence called the World Wide Web. I know, right? That sounds like some serious sorcery, but it's true. I've heard that SNW Lair has adventures with bullywugs, cults dedicated to Sagtomi, and even a quest for Boost, the god of alcohol and revelry. What? You're a thief? Shh. Keep it on the down low. I hear SNW has an adventure for thieves like us. That's not all though. If you're looking for a good shop to outfit your party, SNW has shops you can steal. Need someone to help your party for a short time? They've got companions and compatriots there too. And I hear they got new classes. And every month, the mages at SNW teleport more stuff to this layer they call a website. What's this information I'm giving you gonna cost? Aw, Boblin the Goblin doesn't need much. I love helping heroes. How about an ale? And maybe put in a good word for me with that cute bard on stage. Anyways, if you want to access that layer of SNW, you have your caster summon SNWProductions.com on that World Wide Web I spoke of. Boblin the Goblin guarantees you won't be disappointed. Oh crap, here comes that half-orc Chud. I gotta go. He probably heard that I stole his echo fish. Until next time, remember for all the dungeon delving products you need, SNWProductions.com has it all. Okay, Boblin. Boblin can throw down some alliteration, man. Yeah, I know. It's like it's, it's a, dungeon needs. It's like. really weird. It's almost like it's you know because I that text I couldn't barely read it, but yeah. I, he'd make a good writer. He, I think. he would think he'd be a great writer. I'd buy his books. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, maybe he's just very good at speaking, <laughs> just not as yeah, good as writing. Could, that could you be. Know? That could be. You never know. You never know. <laughs> uh, anyway, so do we want to talk a little bit about uh, you know uh, about having what if you yeah, had talk, this party of evil characters tear, together? Tear into it, dude. What do you think? Uh, so I think. Uh, Several things. If you're going to be the DM that's going to decide to run a party of evil characters, you have to be prepared for the conflict. You got to know what's going to happen and you have to plan, have a plan for it. If you don't have the right group of people, it will be absolute chaos and it could actually affect friendships. One good way to that might help managing a party of evil characters is that you know, above table, you know, session zero, whatever you want to do, all of the evil characters have like a singular goal in mind. Right. Yeah, that's kind of how the Suicide Squad works. Is that they have to take down somebody, yeah. and and that's kind of like so. There's the conflicts along the way, but the conflicts ultimately end up being we have to work together in order to yeah. do the thing. And uh, I think I've talked about this in the past. Uh, maybe just mention one brief thing about it. Um, so we did do a Marvel superheroes campaign where we were all evil characters. Mm-hmm. So it is also on the players to understand exactly the motivations of their evilly aligned characters right so just because you're evil doesn't mean you're going to be killing everybody you you come across doesn't mean you can't work together in a team doesn't mean that you think you're evil right we've discussed that many times everybody's their own hero everybody's their own hero and there's no bad guy out there who 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 thought of himself as the bad guy unless they're complete psychopath well unless they're complete psychopath skeletor (laughs) skeletor Skeletor. yeah <laughs> but but I think it's also on the players to understand their character, right. characters' motivations, and understand that even the the baddest of bad guys can't do everything by themselves. They need to work as a team at some point. And I think they did that with Suicide Squad, mm-hmm. right? That's Suicide Squad. I started to say, yeah, Suicide Squad. Um, you should take alliteration uh, lessons from Boblin. I should actually. He's a good. Dude. He could probably help you with that. I think he can help me with that a lot. <laughs> hey, John. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think that, that they have to take that on to them. So Suicide Squad did a good job with that, right? Right. 
where yes there was that conflict but at the end of the day those characters were, were had their own motivations to what made them do what they did and why they were looked at by society as evil right uh if you take oh shoot what was her what was the uh, uh rat catcher too yeah she wasn't evil she really yeah. wasn't she was she was a street kid survivor and so she used her powers to rob that bank so she could eat so she wasn't evil even uh even blood sport maybe not evil a good killer he's a killer he's a machine right he was trained by the military and everything but he wasn't really evil evil and at the end of the day they did what they did to save a bunch of people and there were some evil characters and, I'm, and if and if you haven't seen suicide squad i'm sorry if i'm ruining anything i just realized oh, by the way I, spoiler alert yeah, yeah spoiler alert. Really so sorry we i might, might want to snip that out i know no little, actually little i'm spoiler. gonna put i am going to put that on the, in the beginning of the podcast okay uh, that, that hey spoiler suicide squad spoilers so there's a lot of stuff going on and i it, it's it's a complicated i think honestly i think it's a fun thing to do yeah i've played evil characters before enjoyed the shit out of playing evil characters yeah. so you we would say it's just the the prep work of let's talk about let's this talk before about we start. It. and i yeah. think you have to have that above the table conversation it's like hey guys look we're all playing evil characters don't take anything personally these are just the characters i would even say i mean if you're new i mean this goes flip flip flop i flip flops you know uh good or evil um if you're new to trying to kind of balance out that you know this character has this ideals, this character has that ideals, you know, and you're, everyone's new at the table. Maybe the DM's new, all the characters are new. Use those ideals, personality traits, flaws, all the stuff that's kind of built mm, in yeah. for them to, that they kind of have set up. You don't have to use the, you can ins be inspired by the 1D8 that they have for each background and stuff like that. But go over those, write those down for your character, and then at that session zero, go over all those with together. And then the, a good thing, the DM could maybe have those on a sheet to know like, oh gosh, if we're going to go into the situation, character A and character C might have a conflict because right. they have right. two different goals. Um, Actually, as a good DM, you could bake that into the story. You're yeah. going to know your character's backgrounds too. I mean, I love, you know, we all do this. We all use our character backgrounds right. for the story. Yeah. You guys give us something or, or I give something to John, I give something to Matt, mm -hmm. if I gave something to Cody, he would look at it and go, oh, I could, this is stuff I could bake in. So if you know that there's that conflict in there, you could actually bake that into the story. And that also lets you control things a little bit more during the conflict. That's awesome, man. So when we played Realms of the Dragon, uh, I had all you guys send me your characters, right, uh, weeks before we started playing. And I noticed that there was a couple, you know, neutral evils, uh, <laughs> lawful evil, neutral evil, I can't remember, but it was something like that. And then even the ones that were quote unquote good had some edge lordy kind of <laughs> elements to them. Not numlock. And uh, no, no, not our sweet num 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 was good. Um, he was and is good. Um, <laughs> but basically, what I as a dungeon master realized weeks up, you know, before we started playing was, oh man, there's going to be, there's going to be player conflict in this. Like, there's just no way there's not. And so, to your point, you made earlier, Cody. I said, let's. This is the one thing that unifies all of you. You're all members of the Adventurers Guild, and maybe you have different reasons for being there. Like maybe one character you're doing it because it's the right thing to do and you want to save people. And then this other person maybe is doing it because it's a way to make money. And they're trying like, I think uh, Keenan's uh, necromancer Venick was trying to uh, learn the secrets of necromancy to build like an undead army. Mm -hmm. So he's like, I want to be in the adventures uh, guild for a few years and, and get uh, access to all these dungeons and right. uh, money. But the thing I said unifies all you is that you would not at this point in your life, 
actively do something against the guild. Right. 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 And I, I felt at the time it might've been a heavy handed requirement to put on your characters. Cause you know, obviously you want to give players as much freedom as possible. But for me, it was very important if we were going to have all these different edge lordy types that we kept to that. And then as the campaign progressed over the next year, <laughs> And the, the Adventurers Guild kind of faded as being the main thing that everybody was about. That's when the conflict seemed to erupt because you got involved with all the political aspects right. of, of the city. And, uh, you know, Ravana got her little personal goals going. And then Grimmer got his going. And Num Num died early on in the campaign. Yeah. And <laughs> so, yeah, I, I don't think it was heavy handed, to be honest with you. Uh, I think that was what you needed to do to, to, to move the story forward at that point. And especially when we're just getting started playing that we were really just getting started playing in that campaign. So I, but you're, you're absolutely right. What happened was as we got away from the adventure skill that then that became apparent. Yeah. But you know, even if you have a group of good aligned characters, lawful aligned characters, they're never, they're not always going to agree about how to go forward, how to do what, whatever, whatever the main thing is, it's always going to happen if people are really, really playing their characters. Cause if you're really playing your character, you're more than likely going to really have very firm beliefs. And that doesn't mean that I could be a neutral good character and say Cody's playing a lawful good character. And Cody may want to approach once this situation this way. And I'm thinking, no, this is the way we do it. And we're going to butt heads. Yeah. Now we're probably less likely to, to draw down, draw arms on each other, you know, like to like be actually getting a fight. Right. Yeah. When do you as a dungeon master, let it go to player combat? Uh, I think, wow, that's a hard one for me. You know me, I'm a gut feeling kind of person. So a lot of times I just kind of let it play out with my gut. Now, like last, when, like the dark kingdom tells the very crossover, uh, when, when, when you came to, well, first of all, I know John doesn't believe this. I literally put the vile, D- book of vile darkness in there as a flavor piece. Now you've all figured out you were in Ravenloft. <laughs> you, you've all know where you're at now. Yep. I didn't know if you knew that at that point. So I was trying to pile a bunch of shit, put some flavor pieces in there. It was a flavor piece. That's all it really was. I thought you were guys going to be like, oh, fuck, we are in a bad place. Let's get the shit out of here. Let's leave that thing alone. (laughs) I didn't expect a 35-minute conversation, but I also felt it was a natural character conversation to have. And that's why I kind of sat back and just let it happen. And at no point did I feel like I was going to have to interfere or stop it. Also, probably because I know our players so well that I know that while Charlie's being quiet as foobar i know what's going through said he's coming up with words of wisdom yeah and certainly enough what happened he let you know you know keen's character is like screw this shit i'm out and well after after we basically attacked yeah you know yeah and then and then and then basically foobar did what he would do and he tried to defend anybody from actually hurting each other and then he turned around and he laid some words of wisdom that keenan said hey man this that was that got to my character it wasn't just me deciding that I'm going to come, you know, that I'm going this way now because the rest of the party, it was, it was what was said character to character. Right. But with that given, I have also interfered at points when I thought it was getting too much and when I thought it might really derail the campaign. Yeah. That happened in Quest for Booze. You know, uh, when, oh my God, Serial. Sorry, I almost forgot her name. That's crazy. Uh, when Serial got, got a little, little zealoty. Yeah, this is Keenan's cleric of booze. Yeah, got a little zealoty, and the, the conflicts were getting a little too much. And, and I was just like, "This is just not within the pantheon of booze. This would not be him." Right? Like he 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 would not want a zealot amongst him. And and so I literally had a conversation between Boos and Serial. Yeah, about that. 
yeah to kind of get his cleric back in line yeah. so that's that's cool yeah it's definitely i would say it's definitely on the dm in that situation where you've got to you've got to know what your what your characters are like all the backstories of what they're going to do and you know having a list of telling me like oh if, if this person's obviously not going to kill children like stuff like that like right. something like i wish keenan so, was here tonight damn it damn it keenan <laughs> damn it keenan so if you have all that you have that maybe on a little cheat sheet or something or you know as you're making your campaign and making stuff you know Okay, in this situation where I'm giving them the op- option to resurrect the dead or raise them as zombies or whatever, I know that there's these, char- are these characters are going to have conflict, and then you can kind of think of a way that you could maybe have them resolve that conflict somehow. Right. right. Um, it's always, I mean, I would say in that situation, you know, prepare yourself for it instead of just being like, oh, yeah, you find a whole bunch of, you know, dead peasants in the street, and yeah, there you go. And then, the, you know, the necromancer is going to be like, I raised yeah. them. <laughs> Yeah, and I think if you are a DM that does not want player character conflict in your in your if it's just something that really because I mean I could see where like some DMs would be like especially if, a new DM probably yeah a new DM like, you got a lot you're dealing with right you're you're learning the rules you're you're, you're learning everything I mean we we've been playing five E for a long time we're still still learning things um, I think it's okay if you take more direct control and if you design an adventure or a campaign that would really have a united front and one way you could do that is to build character bonds before you even start playing the campaign ask the characters above the table and we've done this a lot of times and we've actually had some really cool role-playing moments because of this stuff i always ask are any of your characters connected and when you're building your backstory talk to each other about it and give me tell me how you're connected but you build those connections between the characters and they already come in where they've got a past history between the characters and that kind of sometimes can kind of alleviate any potential conflict and have some really fun role-playing moments because of that too makes me miss bill a little bit yeah <laughs> yeah because whenever that would happen you'd be like all right you, how are your characters connected we just look at each other and be like oh we know <laughs> <laughs> oh that's all right man you know uh, oh, oh by the way just as a side bill uh Bill had a, a new idea for a new drop-in character. Oh, yeah? That is not Brother Marcellus. Oh, yeah? And I love it. Oh, okay. Yeah. So just let you know. Okay, okay. We if, might one day, if, one day, if one day we're sitting down and go... I'm not sure that this table can take more than one ginger, that's but That's what I was right. going to say. If one day, if one day you show up to play and all of a sudden we have two beautiful gingers at the table. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I, I'll allow it. <laughs> <laughs> we love our gingers here at Strange New Worlds. Uh... <laughs> So when you're a play, a character, or excuse me, when you are a player who has a character that you know is going to end up fighting the party, betraying the party, doing, how does that make you feel as a player? Do you feel guilty or you feel exhilarated? Yeah. It makes me. I'm feel asking like, you individually. It oh, makes individual me feel like I'm like yeah, the go, go, go. like the spy on one of the board games. Oh yeah, you know, it's, <laughs> it's one of those uh, like fuck your buddy games. Yeah, right. Uh, like uh, Resistance or Betrayal the Hill. Yeah, you know that's how it makes me feel. Okay, but you say that with a grin, so is that like a good thing? Yeah, it's a good thing. It's fun. <laughs> it's fun to fuck your buddies. Yeah. I mean, I always feel, <laughs> I always feel guilty. Only I, consensually. Yeah. I I don't like play, fighting my play. I don't. I like fuck your buddy games because I know I'm going into it. Everyone knows I'm going to fuck them. Right. But in a situation like D&D or other situations where it's like, ah, well, it's kind of like, a, you know, we're playing against each other. I don't like outright just going out and attacking that person. Yeah. So I always feel guilty. That's why after we do any of the role playing, I'm always like, I'm sorry. That's just my character. Like, I love you. <laughs> I don't believe you. <laughs> it's true. It's like an abusive relationship. It's like, baby, I didn't mean to. All right. It was my character. That wasn't me. You know, that's funny. <laughs> so I actually kind of embrace those, those, those times. Yeah. 
because I look, we all know that you could, oh, well, I think Mark Hamill said it best on uh, uh, talk many times where he's saying, he goes, he loves Luke. He loves what Luke represents. Yeah. And he loves the growth of Luke and he loves that kids look up to Luke and he loves what they think. But playing evil is so much more fun. It is so much more fun right. if you have the character you're attached to. Now, I have played evil like from the beginning where the DM worked with me. We're like, you are going to be the spy in this group. You're working for the government that they're trying to go against, the bad guy they're going against. So that was Beth running a campaign. She was running a Roman campaign. So it was like very Romanesque. And I was a wizard and I was a bad guy from the very beginning. I played along. I did everything they did, but I fed information to the bad guys. And I knew that when they called upon me, I was going to have to act. And now I went into that campaign knowing I will die. This character will die. Because when it comes to the point where either they discover I'm a traitor or I have to act against them, they're going to kill me. And I was fine with that. I had a blast with it. It was a damn fun time. And another player at her table was not so happy about that because I killed the character. <laughs> While the rest of the group was, was up front fighting and I was behind, he was not happy. Man, he was like really, I like actually like really angry. Mm. Like this affected above table shit. Mm-hmm. And I was like, dude, I'm just... This is my character. This has been the plan. This is Beth set this up from the start. Right. Now, playing Ravana, who was a manipulator and a really good one and a good liar, I didn't enjoy playing her. Right. And I don't know why. I just, I just never got into her. I played her to the fullest extent. Yeah. But I didn't enjoy playing her. But I, but I do like that. And I used to do that every once in a while. I'd, 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 I'd come up with a way that somebody was working against the party. You know what's funny? You said that about Ravana, though, but then I distinctly recall like um, two or three sessions after she died, after betraying the party, um, <laughs> and you were like, I miss Ravana. <laughs> and there, well, I, I, missed, I missed some aspects of her. I, right. missed, I missed what she could do with just her words. Yeah, she was a she was a bit of a, a, a power behind the throne type of personality. Yeah, yeah I missed yeah. I missed, missed playing that kind of character cuz she was just not that overt character. She was working behind the scenes all the time. Right. I mean, we had that whole session with Bob and I where these guys were fighting in the arena where Bob and I were back behind the scenes working stuff. Right. Political we're working stuff. deals. Yeah. Yeah, now that kind of stuff was fun. That was really cool. Yeah. That was a really amazing session talking about player conflict where like the contest was you had to fight each other in an arena. So there was literal conflict happening. Meanwhile, you have this subtle conflict happening with Ravana sneaking around, talking to the villains, talking to, talking to, talking to the, to, uh, uh, what was captain's name? The shark, Uh, Uh, captain Sayojin. He was, uh, he was, he was like King shark actually. He was King shark. (laughs) And like, literally I'm making a deal with King shark at at this point while this fighting is going on in the arena. It was was nuts. It was really cool. I don't like the the player versus player combat because I just beat you guys so badly. I I wouldn't be friends with you anymore. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Oh my God. I'm just kidding. I probably die. But but for me, it comes back to making sure that you're not just sitting down and playing D&D. You need to talk with your players about you know, what you as a DM are trying to do. I'm not saying give them spoilers about that particular campaign, but talk about collaborative storytelling. Yeah. Talk about how what we're all trying to do here is create a story together. And that's the main thing. You know, I think some conflict that can be unhealthy is when a, a player becomes selfish about their own individual narrative at the expense of, of, the, the, of the bigger narrative, right? Yeah. So how do you handle a player like that? Yeah, that's, that's a hard one. And we, uh, we don't really have that problem here. Right. I mean, we really don't. Mm-mm. You're um, flexing pretty hard there, Mike. <laughs> I am flexing. I, we, I, don't think, I don't think I've ever felt like there was a moment where one character was really putting their individual stuff above the overall story. 
I think everybody has had their, have well, their moments to shine. Well, sometimes, sometimes oh, the shit, story. I'm wrong. Sometimes the story just kind of naturally picks a main character, right? And so sometimes the story is that character's story. Right. So it's not necessarily qu- quite as far as they're being selfish and just kind right. of stealing the spotlight. Versus, it's just kind of this is what the story is right now. Yeah. This is this person's story, and everyone else just kind of has to be okay with being a supporting character for yeah. a while. Yeah, and, I, yeah, and that's I, okay. I get, that. I get that. It's not. I don't think it's traditional D and I think traditional D and D is like here's the bad guy, go kill the bad guy. Right. And you know everyone's working together for it. Yeah. If you go go old school, whatever that, whatever that conflict is, you're all unified going for that conflict. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So at least I I can't speak for everybody, but we, we make stories that are occasionally they can be very like centric character stories. Mm -hmm. So in Mangetsu, the story was much more heavily focused on, on yours and John's characters. Um, well, and I'd say with the, actually, I would say that the story was very heavily focused on Karth, honestly. Yeah. All yeah. about Karth. Yeah. Uh, well, and even, even in Star Wars, it's Scorch. about... It was actually uh, Scorch's story. I was going to say to your point, that's why I, I have actually noticed that with our campaign. Not with our camp, not with all of our campaigns, but <laughs> like with... And I guess it's a little bit to my point of like, I love... I love not Jedi lore. I love the Force lore. Right. All of it. You know, Sith, Jedi, in between. And so that I did notice quite a few times I've been like, Melanie gets a little bit of this and a little bit of that. <laughs> but that's, and that, that's the thing of like, I want to, I've kind of started to step away from that and be, you know, I want to, each person gets their own little piece of the story. And then we all come together to fight some giant evil. Right. Uh, well, you've done a really good job of that too. I mean, that's kind of what I emulated a little bit with Dark Kingdom, uh, kind of going that. And I've done that in the past before when I was running my old Nightwatch game is I would literally do a story arc that for one character and then move to the story arc for another character. Moved, and, and I'd layer in pieces of what was going to be a bigger story later. And then once they got through all their story arcs and all of a sudden we come together to go, oh shit, here's the big story. This is what what's really going on kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really good. So we're getting about the point to wrap it up too. Yeah. So should we do maybe do final thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, the last thing I'll say is just, you know, I feel like any DM should be on the lookout for player conflict and recognize that there is healthy player conflict that not all player conflict is inherently bad, right. but it can be a choppy water to sort of navigate. Communication yeah. is really the, the key to everything. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was going to so say my it. therapist says, well, <laughs> I was actually going to say that I haven't heard Matt say communicate, communicate. I mean, communicate yeah, that was, I was actually going to say that Matt's but. actually my therapist. Oh, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but no, that, that's my thoughts too, Cody. That's, that is exactly it. We've talked about it a little bit. It's okay to have that above table conversation. It's okay as a DM, if you know your players well enough, this is a very easily easy manageable situation. If you don't know your players well enough, then that communication is before game or even during game is very, very important. Good pep talk to have with a new player before they sit down at the table. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you don't want, especially if you're playing with kind of a group, you don't know well or newer players or whatever is you don't want anybody to be discouraged. You don't want, you don't want people's feelings hurt. You don't want that to happen. You want people, it's, it, the game's fun. That's what we're here for. We're here to, fun, to have fun and tell this collective story. And so having the communication, that's fine. And there's nothing wrong with that. And if, and, and again, to the DMS out there, if you're a person that's not comfortable with having this kind of stuff, then make that, no, from the very beginning. Just make it known, like, hey, man, I know you're going to play characters and maybe, but you do have a unified goal. And you should be thinking about the unified goal all the time. Tasha's, uh, not Tasha's, um, Eberron, The Last War, or Rising from the Last War, if I get it right, does have a really good uh, excerpt about group patrons. And oh, really? it's not like a 
you know, divine patron of the time. It could be a guild, kind of like the Adventures Guild that John introduced into Rod. But having that connection that they're all a part of this group patrons group, and they all have one unified goal to get wherever they need to go. Um, but I guess on my final thoughts, you know, role player characters. Definitely. You know, it's always it's always fun to like make this character step into their shoes. But at the end of the day, remember it's a game. You know, we're all trying to have fun. We're all trying to build stories together. Don't get out of that character and get you know stuck in a rut trying to you know push like I guess push somebody else's buttons. Yeah, I disagree. Let's fight. Okay, <laughs> I choose my my pipe. I choose my cigar. Yeah. Ah, mine's longer. Mine's hotter. I choose my loaded D20. Yeah. Strange New Worlds Productions wanted to take a moment to say thank you to all our Dragon Tier patrons. Thank you so much to Doug, F. Sutton, Stephen, Kirsten, Nicole, Beth, and Charles. We appreciate you and all our patrons. Please visit us at snwproductions.com to see how you can support our passion, bringing you the highest quality content for Dungeons & Dragons, as well as keeping the Legend Lore podcast coming your way.